Bam. Now we are live. Wow, episode yes, 141 of the A2 show. Yeah. You hit the 140s? Yeah, yeah, that was yesterday. Now it's 141. <laughs> we're here. Yeah. A2 the show. Um, special guest from Brooklyn, New York. <laughs> Rami Kashu. Welcome. Hi, everybody. A2 show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> welcome to the show. Thank welcome you so much for show. coming on. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had women talk a little bit about fashion right but arguably the hardest gender to shop for is male <laughs> because it's always the same you get bored pretty quick you're like how can i change it up you know what i'll just throw on a different <laughs> color pair of jeans this is my tactics i'm not gonna lie this yeah. is what i do you just put on right? different color jeans yeah but otherwise it's always either the same shirt the only time i dress up is either when i'm going to a fancy restaurant or when i have to go to work which is mm. you know being what I do, I got a dress, so not bad. But yeah, that's 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 what we're talking about today. <laughs> this guy's amazing. He he went from living in Palestine or Palestine, Ramallah, going all the way to Los Angeles. Yep. Worked in a boutique store. And now he's a fashion. Icon? Yeah! I know what you're looking for. I know what you're looking for. But yeah, no, dude, yeah. honestly, looking at your stuff, like I, I gotta say, I'm very intrigued, especially you, the mask. Yeah, you made that That's mask. True. That's on you, right? This is my uh, persimmon kufiya mask. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, I have the traditional one. I have the traditional ones also, but this one is uh, just to play on colors, you know, just playing with different colors wow it's amazing it looks really good (laughs) it looks really really good i like it that's cool thank you you. and how do you how do you make it like how did you make that mask (laughs) well uh it started off with my best friend uh that i've known i've met in palestine when we were 10 years old so during quarantine we decided to quarantine together because new york can be very isolating in in the earlier stages of oh yes before it became what we realized (laughs) what it is and, uh, you know, we bought masks and the whole mask experience was a very strange, uncomfortable, right. mm-hmm. suffocating experience. And um, so we wore different brands during the first two months. And then he had asked me to make him a mask. He, he works for the United Nations and he's traveled and lived in different parts of the world. So at one point he had bought a beautiful fabric with Arabic calligraphy on it. And he said, here, can you make me a mask from this fabric? I said, of course. Wow. So when we, when we, you know, were able to each, when I came into the workroom, started, you know, working again after like thinking about this for two and a half months, I thought, well, you know what, I'm going to come up with masks that I would want to wear. So I see. I started with his mask and I constructed a fit and a pattern and built in a pouch for it and adjustable elastic ears. And now I have this, uh, my favorite new word, lanyard, which is the mask hanger. Like that's what you just wear around your neck if you want to eat. Oh, Wow, touch you it hang it. or put you it anywhere. To... You just mm-hmm. touch this, mm-hmm. and you know. So and it's scheduled for yeah. It's, and it's really nice. That's yeah, I like it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's well, it's about you know where fashion becomes an essential part of function, not just aesthetics. Yeah, and see. that was a nice experiment to do something like that, especially during a time where mm-hmm. you know it's mandatory. It's not a, you know. I mean, it's and, uh, even if it wasn't mandatory yeah. for everyone's health. Obviously, this show we do mm-hmm. encourage wearing masks whenever you go out, maintain social distancing, all that stuff. You already know what it is. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it's but it's it's but great. It's, it encourages people more. I think. I think yeah. the problem with masks a lot of the time is that it just feels so weird being on your face, and it's just like it looks surgical, and it feels like everyone's like. I don't know, like, like sick, <laughs> but it's not, yeah. it's not that everyone's sick. It's just that everyone just wants to protect themselves. Yeah. Right. And it's, that's it. And it shouldn't be that threatening and scary. It should be like, like a piece of clothing you can wear. Yeah. And uh, I, mean, I think, I think it's the most important item you could ever buy because it's about life. It's about saving a life. I know that some people have an ulterior, like a, a, an alternative point of view about it, but mm-hmm. you know, for those, of us, for those of us who believe that, you know, this is a real thing and this is uh, life-threatening and, you know, some of my close friends, relatives and parents have passed during this time because of it, wow. that it's, it's, it's a very important thing. So part of what my role as a designer and what I wanted to do is I wanted to make it aesthetically more pleasing because, frankly, it wasn't fun to look at. It's a bit traumatizing. And <laughs> make it more fun and to, like, you know, why not 
have it like as a celebration instead of like this depressing, you know, ugly looking thing on your face. It's your face, you know, so why not make it fun and make it a celebration of the yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't. <laughs> I have to wear this. <laughs> It's not what my I, choice, I promise you. <laughs> what I mean by ugly is like the mask in general, when we first started seeing people wear a mask, it wasn't as like pleasing to look at or comforting. It's a bit traumatizing, let's be honest. I mean, yeah, okay, fine. But doctors, <laughs> doctors don't really get traumatized because yeah, yeah. we have to wear one like every single day. I wear it in my workroom around like when I'm working with people, I wear it in, mm. in the workspace mm -hmm. all day, okay. honestly. Like it's, it's everybody has to wear one. Everybody has to sanitize and wash their hands and take off their shoes before they walk into the place. Like we have to take these measures because it's not worth getting sick and not functioning for 14 days. I see. True. It's Very true. Fine. Yeah. It's not just that. The, the issue doesn't come in the 14th day. The issue starts on the like fourth and fifth. That's when the onset of action begins. And it's terrible because some people like it doesn't matter whether you're young or you're old. It's just when you reach that seventh, eighth and ninth day, I'd say 60 to 70% of cases require to be on breathing machines. Oh, wow. Yeah, because, exactly. yeah. Yeah, so like, let's not get there. Mm -hmm. Let's, yeah. let's, why do you want to put yourself uh -huh. in that situation? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, if you don't like wearing masks, you can look good wearing one of those bad boys mm -hmm. right there, right? Like those, those are uh, mm -hmm. no joke. So, you, uh, you started the embroidery ones. These are the Palestinian oh. embroidered ones. Oh, those are okay. that's okay. embroidery. Mm -hmm. That's really nice. So these are hand stitched or with machine? No, this is hand embroidered, Hadi. This wow. One. And Hadi, this is called really uh, uh, <laughs> this is called the uh, the head of the snake. It's like Ras al Taban. Ras al Taban. Wow, dude, anyway, those names yeah. are pretty cool. Pretty cool. And yeah, uh, no, but... yeah, I want to ask you about the process of of making them. Um, from yeah. what I understand, uh, in fashion, there is a lot of um, waste that goes on, and in, it is it can be very environmentally damaging and it is right from what i understand it's the number two us... industry that's damaging to the environment after okay the <laughs> yep. right so um by participating like by making more stuff is it are you damaging the environment more or do you have you like figured out a way to make fashion that's environmentally sustainable well uh i mean that's a good question and i think mm -hmm. it's important for every brand to be asked that question any producer of any sort really mm -hmm. uh, uh it's I, my method, my business philosophy is going against the tide of fast fashion. The concept of fast fashion is overproducing to a level of excess beyond demand where the clothing racks of chain stores that are worldwide, so you can only multiply these big brands of how many stores they have every week. Imagine like every week and imagine how much stuff that doesn't necessarily sell that ends up either becoming, you know, some of, a lot of it is non-biodegradable material. So it ends up uh, as landfill in uh, other countries. Uh, so my approach is everything is made to order. So nothing, I don't have necessarily, I don't have stock sitting around where I don't know if it's gonna go to a destination or a place. Everything, every order that comes in, the fabric gets cut and made. Secondly, uh, a lot of the materials are upcycled. So, so I use upcycle. Some, some of them are new and some of them are upcycled. So that still also uh, offers a, a percentage of, of, of that also where it's not, you know, just buying new materials. Excuse me for cutting you, but <laughs> what, what, what's upcycled? Uh, uh, <laughs> upcycled is when like you buy materials that have already been produced that are called dead stock. That stock mm. is when like a, a company has excess fabric that other stores still sell those fabrics because they've been produced, but there's no use for them. So the lining is upcycled, but it's a real nice quality fabric. It's a nice cotton. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and also part of this for me is uh, 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 using this opportunity as also preserving humanity, such as the Palestinian reality and preserving hand embroidery. Not every single mask is hand embroidered, but a lot of them are. And so it's, it's, it's the, it's, it has attention towards like the, the production process and the environment. It's also about preserving hand embroidery and Palestinian humanity and how they're viewed through the work, the world in the media.
Amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's also like I I I similar sim- similarize similar. I, I forgot the I word, sympathize. but like I <laughs> I I also sympathize with the Palestinian cause mm-hmm. a lot. That's why I always like even in their shows whenever there's a hint of you know just Palestine. Like I always make sure you know what it's Palestine. It's not any other name. Mm-hmm. So it's amazing because you don't always have to just run out. To- I'd be like, no, this is not the case. You can do it through your work. People will appreciate it more, right? And it'll have more meaning yeah. in your own work. So that's that's amazing to see, I have to say. So uh, is your fashion like purely masks or did you used to do like other clothing, I think, right? I designed um, evening wear and I still do. This is amazing. a special project. Out of the project is what it's called. Because it's, you know, it's something of the moment. Yani it's a reflection of the reality that we live in. It's where art becomes a reflection of life, really. Mm-hmm. And so that's a special project that I'm focusing on right now. But I still design clothes and I'm going to expand it into clothing and an accessory line. But I, I started doing bridal and evening wear. That's how I started. Oh, wow. Yes, and, uh, okay, so are let's they, talk a little bit up? about that. Can, uh, are, they, are they online somewhere? Can we see them? Yes, you could see some of my previous work on my website, ramikashu.com, or it's, mm-hmm. it's online also. Um, oh, there we go. Wow. All right. Uh, so, nice. yeah, you can see it in my earlier, like, uh, previous posts, because now it's been mostly masks and, mm-hmm. and embroidery and things like that. But that's, but yeah. I see. Wow. All right. Uh, mm-hmm. There's some clothes on the website as well and Instagram. So mm-hmm. I do, like, my, my, my main uh, focus and passion is designing clothes. But, you know, as a designer... I think it's important to pay attention to what's happening around and also create things that are related to the status quo. I, I mean, wow. Just looking at your stuff here, yeah. it's like mm-hmm. not bad. Mm-hmm. So it's very Arab like <laughs> influence. Like this is the uh, Kufiya or what we call it in Kuwait, the Shema. Shema, right? yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And uh, this is also for like women wear, which is the we call it the burqa in english and uh, it looks really nice actually. <laughs> I, can't, I can't lie it looks really really Masters good are pretty cool yeah that's true yeah they are and like, I mean, my, my my heritage was my inspiration so you know it's whether people see it as a political statement or humanitarian mm-hmm. or an environmental statement this is part of my upbringing and it's a fact and that's my inspiration of choice so that's i mean um, so how did you get to the point where you're making like bridal dresses and, you know, it's, it's one of the hardest industries, fashion to get into and to get customers and right from what I understand yeah, and, and coming from Palestine, I'm, yes. I don't know how the opportunities came your way to end up in New York. Well, I mean, I think, you know, I have to give a lot of credit to supporting parents through growing up when they realized that sketching and fashion is my passion at the early age of like seven or eight, they were very supportive. So that gave me the confidence and the belief that I can make that into a reality. So my shout father, out to mom and dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. Shout out to mom I, and dad. Awesome. All I, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my first two sewing machines when I worked in retail, my dad helped me buy them. I, you know, industrial sewing machines. And I started working and experimenting on the weekends and i did retail for a course of six years and then the last uh, retail store that i worked at uh, i became the buyer and then eventually i taught, discussed things with the owner and we made an agreement for me to start selling my pieces there and they started doing well and from there i started working with stylists so celebrities started to wear my clothes here and there and it just kind of built from there and one day i decided to you know take the risk of leaving uh, a regular job and commit to, you know, my own designs in the beginning where I, a lot of the clothes were on consignment, you know, in different stores. And I was just, whenever a piece sold, that's when I got paid. So that was, wow. that was like I, earning my dues. I guess that was the the stage when, you know, things were all beginning yeah. to happen. I see. Amazing. Right, that's cool. <laughs> and uh, I can see here you've worked with a lot of uh, celebrities on their red carpet uh like you what are you talking about Ali (laughs) uh, on his website says Rami Kashu has dressed some of the most recognizable women in the world Mm -hmm. yeah 
and here let me share screen so people can see this too so these are a lot of recognizable oh, like, Heidi Klum. wow this is awesome. yeah like kim kardashian <laughs> jessica <Wow>. alba <laughs> That's like cool. you, like how did you reach that stage? <laughs> what I'm interested in. Is like, Queen wow. there? Because she should like, be in there. Who is Queen Rania there? Oh no! Oh, yeah. Queen R, Queen of J. Yes, QOJ. That was like one of the uh, one of the uh, highlights of dressing celebrities. No, she has. Yeah, well, I mean that's. But anyway, that's. Uh, that's so cool. Wow! All right. How did that happen. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> So they, uh, like, yeah, did you they, went from they reach out to you? Show, you got paid, uh -huh. like you just got paid whatever people bought to dressing these women on red carpets and dressing the queen of a country. Yeah. Like, wow. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, like they reach out to you with an idea or do you reach out to them with a team? With or? an idea. Yeah. Well, I think in the beginning how it started, first of all, I was working in Hollywood. So being at the right place in the right time played also a part in that. But also okay. myself not giving up on the believing and that it's going to work out. I don't know how, but it's going to work out somehow. So that mm. determination also played a part in it. And then working at the clothing store that was on, it uh, still is, Melrose, Melrose Street is a very popular shopping yeah. street in, in Hollywood or Los Angeles. Yep. So I worked there and that's when stylists would come in. And I remember the first time that, you know, R&B singer Aliyah, when when she wore my clothes or when pink the singer wore uh, some pieces of mine i started building relationships with the stylists so having to be on the floor I in sales customer service was a part of my experience mm -hmm. so you know i started to just to, to build those relationships and then they lasted years later on where mm -hmm. after doing the 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 show project one way the reality competition design show on bravo that's when I, uh, you know, my, my work became uh, more public uh, outside of the U.S. And that's when the Queen saw my work in a magazine article that I did an interview in a Jordanian article. And that's when they sent for me to meet with her and dress her. So each yeah. <laughs> led to the next in a way, you know? Yeah. Yep. I mean, mm -hmm. this is where I say destiny is real because it's <laughs> like it all fell into pieces very, very quickly. I, would you say it's very quickly? People think that. It uh -huh. did, I started working in, <laughs> in 2000. Like it started to happen in 2001 officially. Mm -hmm. From 2001 to mm -hmm. 2008 when I did Project Runway, like that was a buildup of years of hard work. But of course. people see the, the glamorous moments on a celebrity or an interview or a TV show and they think, oh, that's all it is. That's a very small percentage of what goes on. It's behind. true. See, how? here's how I view it as. It's like you reach a certain threshold with all this hard work and then it starts falling into places. That's that's how I see it. As you reach into this, like you work hard and hard and super hard. You start doing <laughs> all these different stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. You reach this threshold where your work is recognizable, everyone is in love with what you do, and it all falls into pieces. Would you describe it like that? Yes, but also like the fashion industry, and if you look at the history of world-known brands and designers and their mm. story, it's a very like, mm -hmm. it's never a consistent thing. It's not like one day at one point you arrive and it is stays a certain way. The industry, like in 2007, no, 2008, between 2008 and 2010, that's when the recession happened. That's when a lot of stores in the U.S. at least were closing down. Mm -hmm. So that's when the whole industry took on a different shift. And that's oh, wow. when the online angle started to dominate the industry. And that was the introduction of fast fashion and how big companies started overproducing and sort of taking over you know, avenues, they were opening like Starbucks here, every other block, you know, and that's where we are today. And, you know, which is related to the environmental issue, but that mm -hmm. affected designers like us, independent designers and brick and mortar stores, which are physical stores when they started to close down and how now everything is so digital, you know, everything's online. Yeah. Yeah. So true. you go through we changes and adjustments. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, Corona is mm -hmm. also, I imagine, like a huge like oh, yeah sure. like all, a lot of yeah like it shifted closing, everything uh, online everything's from online to work to yeah. study to mm -hmm. uh, like shopping uh food everything has gone online now so yeah. it's yeah. is it is Maybe. it harder to sell like a piece of clothing online like a beauty gown 
uh, I don't think it's this is I necessarily the time for evening gowns. So oh, I, <laughs> I realize and I accept that I'm, I'm not pushing to sell gowns. And, you know, really, it's not so much of pushing to sell. It's more that, you know, where the attention is now is more about, you know, quality masks that also have a fashion feeling to them. Yeah. But also, I think we're we're now the home has become a place where we spend a greater deal amount of our time with that mm -hmm. that's where sort of like designing and uh, creating products is gearing towards which is more of a home lifestyle so clothes need to be a little bit more comfortable and they still can be fashionable and they still can have you know a certain aesthetic but you know eventually when crowding and public meetings in, in larger numbers will start to happen i'm sure gowns will have you know their time but it's not necessarily their time now really yeah i guess yeah. so i mean like that's well said so uh, i mean yeah are, are you I thinking just... of doing any like men fashion yes i am yeah. i would like that this, <laughs> oh. this was I would... first... go ahead you would what i would love to model for your brand just say <laughs> I'm tall enough. I'm losing weight. I'm cutting down. Right? If you need me to be anorexic, I'll do it. No, no, no. no I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> we obviously we don't promote any of that stuff. I'm just trying to be as edgy as I can, but he's failing. I mean, I mean, true. That's very true. But yeah, no, I'm very tall, so I'm good for modeling. Just saying. Good. Well, nowadays I don't think like the whole model what what is considered a model is no longer in that mold that mold has been broken so now you know a lot oh, yeah. more oh, relatable you don't have to be a certain height and you don't have to be you know of a certain outlandish type of uh, uh appearance in order to be a model now models can be you know it could be somebody like you and me really i don't wow. think it's it's no longer i mean at least That's there's amazing. more there's room for more diversity in well, yeah. what's wrong with you and me i mean you and me are like <laughs> yeah, actually great. pretty good looking guys i'm not gonna lie in the world thank you i agree with you that bus in the world of like the, the 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 strict rules of of high fashion supermodels and all of that those you know is it numbers and proportions are outlandish i mean i wouldn't fit those and you know i mean it's just from knowing how it is yeah, but yeah. It's, see, it's I'm okay with them breaking that whole stereotype. What I'm not okay with them is promote promoting obesity. That's what I'm. That's where I put my lines and full stops. Because it's like, right. end of the day, you know, being obese is not good for your health. This is coming from a fat guy, so yeah. no, don't, 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 <laughs> don't. bullshit. Like you know, like this is coming from me. Like being obese is not healthy. But it Let's depends of what your definition of obesity is. Mm -hmm. Some people BMI. No, but there's health, dude. Being can be healthy at a lot of different. I mean, like not like at a huge weight. Two or yeah, 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 no. Perfect mm -hmm. and and not be of a certain size. Yeah, I mean, health is not. <laughs> a you guys are about to make me name names. I swear to God, and no, I'm not. Yeah, a no, I, I'm I, I am. I am so ready to name names right now. <laughs> like we can go, boys. We can go. I yeah. I I can no. yes. Yeah, it's it's good. No, I get. Is it changing actually in like the top tier, like the runway models? Are they like? Because I know they're they're more strict than like other modeling places. Is it yes. still like, or is it getting more diverse? I think sort of like uh, figure positivity has become part of like the fashion runways where you know not all models are the same size or size four. You know, you have girls of a different size. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that, uh, you know, they're just different women with different body types. And so are men, so are humans all in general, you know. I mean, who is to decide that, you know, somebody has to be of a certain size? And I remember when I first started in the industry, you know, whenever you needed to book models, they were, they all were a certain size. So you didn't have a choice, you know, if you were to book, no. you know, people who are in the profession. Mm -hmm. Generally, they were a certain size. And I remember in the beginning, I was picking girls that were considered like too curvy for other mainstream brands and they were quite thin like <laughs> that this yeah. was a version of curvy when they were like size two and four so i think it's i think it's changing and i think there's a long way to go still because mm -hmm. then there's also race you know and diversity in terms of ethnicity in terms of height in terms of body and a lot of things 
Uh, it's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. Here, let me let me try a different route to convince you. Yeah. Would you have Would you have this guy model for you? Check this out. Yeah, yes, I would. <laughs> yeah, boys, I'm quitting the show. I need to promote in Jordan, so yes. You Honestly, Jordan, dude, send me send me some pieces. I'll literally wear them. I'll the set show. up everything, <laughs> and I'll literally just be like, "All right." Just a little shout out, just a little for what I used to do. <laughs> I used to show. Just, a, just a tiny bit. Just, just, that just this. That's it. That's all I want. No, I'm yeah. kidding, obviously. But if you do want me to model for you, I really don't mind. I'm all right. Well, this is my first unisex product in terms of design. Yeah. I'll buy some now. But soon, soon, mm-hmm. I want to really expand on clothes that aren't necessarily specific to, mm-hmm. you know, like pieces that can cross over easily from A to B, from. Uh, it's it's the whole like the evolution of gender i think is also you know something you know us in arab culture there's a way to go but uh, why you know why can't a man wear tatris for example why can't why is it it's men can wear and celebrate it just as equally it's an art you know why not wait so men can't there. wear that <laughs> of course. Who's, saying, who's saying men can't wear that there are people who say that i don't think like in our parts of the world that's fine because our like in the olden times right <laughs> Like a headpiece that we wear in Kuwait here. Let me see if I can find you. <laughs> Kuwait, yeah. Fresh Prince. I, I, oh, by I'm, the way, that's that's my nickname. They call me the Fresh Prince of Mishraf. Nice. <laughs> Ali, what's the what's the clothes you wear? The Dishdasha. Right there we go. That's me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's me yeah. right there. So this headpiece, mm-hmm. this headpiece is like. The whole red stick that came with it is embroidered, basically, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's it's this is normal sewn, right? Handmade, everything, all that fancy schmancy stuff. But like, whenever we wear like the winter ones are made of more of a cotton kind yes. of material, and uh, this was all in, in the name of keeping you warm, but also it was symbolized. So let show me what you had uh, in your hands just now. Oh, this is one. This is a, a not the snake's head. Uh, the the one you're wearing now on you. This one. This yeah. Is a... So, do you know what the story of that thing in the middle here, where it looks like a ECG reading? <laughs> yeah. Okay. This basically to all the headwears basically tell a story of origin. So that is what they call the fishnet, and basically it was it was fishers who wore the most, and there was a lot. There was desert stuff and it's all hand embroidered so mm-hmm. if, if if whoever like this is any of the high in particular this is machine embroidered this one yeah mm-hmm. i mean even if it was stitched by hand like right it's not wrong for a guy to wear something that's embroidered because the main formal headpiece that we wear Surprise, surprise is embroidered, right? Yeah. Like, whoever tells me whoever tells me you can't, I'll just be like, dude, you don't know Arab history. You can just there you go. And and the collars uh, also, right? The collars have embroidery mm. in them. And, and just a little in bit Imarati, more in Emirati Dishdash, yeah, they have the little thing up there. Yes, yes, cool. yes. Yeah. And that's that's hand embroidered. Uh-huh. That is so like and, and it's comfortable. <laughs> dude, what Arabs, when they went to war on like wearing dishdashes, they'd wear a piece on top that was made of cloth. Uh-huh. And it was embroidered. <laughs> it was also embroidered, literally. Like either the name of the clan or the tribe they come from or the city they are uh-huh. from. And so whoever says you can't wear embroidered because you're a guy, I'd just be like, dude, deuces. You want to do like more like like more fashion is what you're trying to. So what's next for you? For myself? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, now I'm actually working on uh, new accessory designs. Mm-hmm. So the idea is to uh, I'm working with um, uh, women in Palestine to create hand embroidery. Oh, wow. So part of this project for me, you know, it, it's a mask, but it's a lot more than a mask because it's, you know, I always say our project is about building bridges. So it's about creating new relationships with women back home on the ground in Palestine who are very talented, who especially now during COVID, you know, different communities are, of course, affected very differently. We're all in this together, but not really, you know, I mean, yeah. some people are affected a certain way and others are, it depends. This has been a very divisive um, experience. 
And I think, you know, uh, it, it creating, building work projects together, I think has been really inspiring for me and I want to build on that. Um, also clothing. I mean, that's, that's going to be what's next as well. Mm-hmm. All right. Cool. Yeah. So, so what are some, do you, do you mind sharing some ideas of men's fashion that you're looking into? Like, what are you, what are you planning on for men's fashion? <laughs> I can't tell you, hey, Kay, oh, make it. <laughs> that's fair. Make fair, it. Fair. Fair. I'll tell you something. I'll tell you. <laughs> it will be. It will be considered like unique, but also comfortable and somewhat street-inspired fashion. I mean, it's not going to be. I'm looking for that. Formal. You know, it's going to be comfortable, but it's going to be unique, and it's going to have like an Arabic uh, heritage feeling. Into it. Yeah. Outside Arabic heritage, what, what, what's your favorite fashion type? Because mine is Japanese streetwear. Oh, I had. Wow. There was a time period I was in love with those beautiful yeah yeah i love that i mean i think i think japanese street fashion in particular is very creative and really amazing it is yeah it's super nice but uh other than that do you have like a certain favorite of like style style right now it changes i mean i think right now anything in that is connected to uh the textures of cloth especially arabic cloth is really where my inspiration is but it also can venture out into like bedouin clothing and uh, it can go it can go out yani into morocco and it can go into different parts of the world that's where all of the rich detail really comes from and it's very oh, it's a lot more of historical pieces than than clothing necessarily today, mm-hmm. but uh, I like the idea of the dishdash and I like those type mm-hmm. of sort of feel good, comfortable clothes that translate into a feeling, not just the look. Mm-hmm. You know, it is. You know how comfortable those are. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever worn one before. <laughs> I want to. I've never have, but Dude, I really want to. They, they are. They are. Are so there cool. are there like other Arab like historical clothing um, other than the dishdash? Where in Kuwait? And just in general. In general. There is the there is the Lebanese uh, you well, guys tarbush, used to the, hat. Tarbush, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. the vest and like the puffy genie pants and like yes. that and what else is there? Oh no. Dude, the last winter I was very into turtlenecks. I'm not afraid to say <laughs> I was very into I was like... rocking my Dwayne the Rock Johnson. I was <laughs> nice. so hard. It was not even a joke. Uh-huh. I would do the same thing in New York in the winter. It's freezing in the winter. It is. Really I mean, are very helpful. <laughs> yeah, honestly. And it's like they're up to here. They make you look thinner than you do. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, yeah, I've got to stop that because I know people are going to get annoyed. So no, but honestly, I really like them because they would keep you warm. And when you do this. Yeah. And it gets warmer, dude. Turtlenecks are the way to go. Mm-hmm. They're amazing. But uh, you were telling us, Rami, do you, do you know of any other like like historical? I really want to know if there are historical Arab clothing other than the tarbush and the, the shadash. So there's in 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 the in women's fashion, which is where mm-hmm. my research mainly is. It's the currently is is the palace is the tobe in general. So there's the. Uh, different tobes with different color stories that come from different parts of historical Palestine. Tobes? What's that? Tobes? Yeah. <laughs> Tobe is a traditional Palestinian dress that was worn. It's a long dress that's geometrically cut and shaped, mm-hmm. and that's those were the those are the embroidered, hand embroidered dresses that women wore. And on average, each one probably had five to eight uh, twelve. And how like the tobe transitioned during the, the the changing of you know historical palestine to where we are today the tobe took on different shapes and forms due to its surroundings there we go perfect thank you welcome and, uh, <laughs> there's the headpiece the shotwe yeah. oh wow the shotwe is a headpiece that the bride wore while she left her family home and entered the groom's home. That was just a particular outfit that she wore during that journey. And it was a very tall tarbush looking like headpiece that had a lot of coins on it. And it was very detailed and intricate, Had has a lot of hand embroidery. That's very historical. Wow. Uh, in terms of the men, of course, there's the hatta and l'agal, and then what? there's the... <laughs> which is the same as the khatta and l'agal. They have a different, they have a different color. That's the Palestinian. Uh, in- yeah, I think it's it's blue and black, right? Those are your color schemes. It's blue, white, or black, black white. Black and white. This is all red. There's uh-huh. also the red and white, but the red and white is very common in Jordan, right? It's the 
The red and white is Jordan, Saudi, and uh, Bahrain. Black yeah. is Iraq, and uh, blue is also Iraq. But uh, white is Kuwaiti. Oh, uh, we don't in in the Palestinian culture. White wasn't necessarily that common. Of course, the most common uh, is to this day is the black and white. Mm-hmm. So this one right here. Yes, this one, and uh, it's uh, usually those are woven in uh, uh, Hebron by Hebrawi, uh, who's the only uh, kufiya maker in uh, Palestine, and Amazing. they used to be a very busy factory. But then, when you know the international market, you know, started to do the same thing for cheaper than all. It reduced his productivity, unfortunately. But they're still there and they're still creating. I mean, it's it's beautiful. Um, it's amazing. Say, I'm, it it's it's um. So how do we? Do you like? Are you selling online, international, and like internationally? Right. So mm. the, the I I I sold to clothing stores before, but currently mm-hmm. I'm selling online, mm-hmm. and I have shipped worldwide. So I've shipped anywhere from like Qatar to France to uh, Saudi Saudi Arabia to uh, Switzerland to. Do you ship to Jordan? <laughs> Jordan, yeah. Jordan, not yet. Oh. <laughs> I was gonna buy one like right now. No joke. And I was gonna I, I buy have, it. I have shipped to Palestine though. I've had oh. in Palestine, but yalla, Jordan, you're gonna help promote. So uh, yeah. I'll do it. I'll do it as long as right, I can go. get. You know which one I'm interested in here since I have you here. I am interested in basically. Where is it? Where I just saw it. Mm-hmm. Oh, here we go. Let me show you. Let's see. Uh, I am interested in this one, right here. This one. Oh, the red one. The red yep. one. Yep. The red kufi. Yeah. <laughs> I was literally gonna buy it. Like, <laughs> hey, don't ship to Jordan. Yeah. Check it out yeah. soon. No. All right. No, cool. You do. I have. So, so. So yeah. So why? Like, how is it? How do you ship to different countries? Why can you ship to some, but not others? No, I shipped to all, but I was just oh. thinking where, where, which countries that, that have ordered the... Oh, have the, ordered already. Yeah, I see. Because I see. it's not like you're a walk-in clothing brand. You order it and it'll ship to you. Yes. That's how it is. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so, so I, I ship anywhere really in the world. And that's mm-hmm. been a really uh, a great experience because it was, um, you know, it became like a, a way for people to connect to a part of either their upbringing or uh, an older family member like the TWAB. Some of the TWAB remind uh, a younger generation of their grandmothers and they were so happy to be able to wear uh, a day-to-day version of that, you know? So, um, and people have t- taken the time to write back and send their feedback and how they felt. So it, it's, it charges uh, like a lot of emotions, which, which has been a nice way to connect during a time where, you know, all of mm-hmm. us are living through a virtual yeah, true. bubble. True. Mm-hmm. Do you, you think know? of when you branch out with more clothes, you'd like to do it in a store or do you want to continue online? Do you think? I think the reality where that online is the main stage for retailing, but I would love to open a store eventually where I have my own sort of curated designs there and possibly include other international uh, artists or designers where like Mm -hmm. through my eyes of what I would like to select. I think that would be an awesome thing, but that's, I'm in phase one still of this project, but in the future, I think it would be part of the vision. I see. Yeah. All right. The, the, (laughs) here's um, an issue I have maybe with online international sailing, maybe that um, (laughs) you have a different opinion, but I, I think like, a lot of the times when international shipping happens for clothing, it, it all comes from like China maybe <laughs> and they yeah. ship it all around the world and that's what yeah. ends up happening. And then the local fashion artists and fashion stores and local clothes boutiques, they can't like fight against like H&M online or right. Mazara right. online, right? So that's why I'm like, I'm a huge believer in local, but at the same time, it like being online helps local artists reach different places. Yep. So, um, I, I don't know. And then another issue <laughs> completely that I don't know if you've heard about this. We've been, we've learned about this in our talk here, but in, um, a lot of the cotton that comes from China comes yeah. from labor camps that where, have Muslims put under forced. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So it's, is it, um, unethical now to 
products to buy from these brands yeah. or are these brands making a change? I don't know if you can tell us more. Uh, first of all, I was watching your uh, current interview with your last, uh, on YouTube, your last um, uh, guest about the, the situation there and about some of her family members. Uh, so that I, I have personally been following that story. I think we should all follow this story and, and we'll probably uncover a lot of unknown information that we might not even know about. That's we definitely did on that episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very heartbreaking. The first time I learned about this was through a documentary I was watching on Netflix like a year ago. And I was just shocked to see how there, you know, there were people, tourists could just go into uh, uh, their homes and take pictures while they're living. And now it's advanced. But yeah, I think that, I think that it's important to know where a product is being made that, that you're investing in. Because if you're investing in it, then you are supporting their productivity and the system continues, you know? I think we do have to know which brands are producing and relying on that type of slave labor. Mm. I don't even know if it's slave labor. It's worse than that. I mean, what would it's, it be called? Uh, slave labor is yeah. basically like a light <laughs> way of putting it. But right. it's that's more why of a, I like retracted. Yeah, I thought, well, it's that's more of a concentration camp-ish, you know. You like the world, the world really about it blind for anybody who doesn't know? Excuse me? Come again? For anybody who doesn't know, do you want to just explain what we're talking oh, yeah. about? Uh, watch episode <laughs> 100 and something. <laughs> you, if you didn't yes. by now, honestly, yes. you really Definitely should check it out. Mm -hmm. learn about what's happening to our fellow brothers and sisters of yes. the religion. If you are Muslim or if you are human, mm. you know, because yeah. end Basically, of the day, one either... from one to two to eight million people, Uyghur Muslims in China, yeah. are being sent into different like concentration camps or labor camps, right, where they are like tortured and abused and they like you <laughs> i won't don't want to share too many of the details you can go check out the episode yeah because it's really hard to talk about now like it's yeah. just like yeah but yeah. and they're extorting them to create products for them and one of the products is cotton 80 percent, 80 percent of the cotton that comes from china is made in these yogurt camps yeah so all the clothes we've been buying for the past years have been at the extortion uh, of these innocent people yeah yeah no, yeah. True. So, yeah it is and it's 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 this is why I, I personally support more brands that are you know local based not imported and have no ties to china right so <laughs> you know no, i mean it's true so it's a responsibility we all have to know about this i mean i'm i'm uh investing in buying local from palestine like the kufiyas i just have i'm waiting on a shipment inshallah monday it's coming because you know part of the whole belief system is you know why not support local businesses home back home yeah that's part of what i'm trying to do under this particular umbrella of a project because it is a it's inspired by you know arabic cloth and palestinian cloth so that's that's i'm building on it and it takes time because it's about you know building relationships and waiting for some people to respond sometimes through emails and it takes much longer but it's getting there it's moving so that's part of the, the inspiration you know awesome that's cool yeah and that's so cool. well, you said your next for what you're doing next is you're making accessories with these palestinian people where, where can we like fabrics. yes so when so how can we find out more about it so if you if you follow me on social media, Rami Cashew, you'll 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 hear the latest. Yeah. And learn the latest. <laughs> link in the link bio. In the description <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Link in the bio, and then my website, of course. Uh, as soon as I have the collection ready, that's immediately where it's going to go. I personally, you know, like that people can reach the 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 source directly mm -hmm. because uh, there's that personal relationship between designer and uh, client or customer or wearer. And it's nice because then they get to speak to a person. They're not just getting an automated type of response. If there's special requests, sometimes as much as we can, we try to honor them. So it's about that type of slower speed, but also with that comes a much better quality of communication, of uh, uh, design product, mm -hmm. uh, even inspiration, because it's part of my inspiration of what the feedback is. So like, for example, this uh, mask, uh, always, you know, we started off, I started off with creating them with loops around the ears. 
And after a few requests of girls in different parts uh, of the world, especially in, in some Arab countries and some outside, wear the hijab so they cannot wear the elastic That's around the ear. There, yeah. So now I created the, the elastic around the head. So the, part of that real chance of communication where if they bought it through a store, I may not have had a personal hand, like hands-on experience with it. And, and it, it, it's part of the design inspiration. So now it comes in different sizes. And now it comes in different types of uh, uh, elastic uh, styles. That's amazing. Uh, I mean, fashion, fashion is all about adapting to different changes, right? You always have to change and like find ways to make something still look good, but on different types of people. And you doing you what you just said is basically describing what I described. That shows, that, that, like, that shows how good you are at what you do. So there's no doubt about it. I have this whole thing set up in front of me. I'm about to order the. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, how long does it usually reach? Like, how long do you think it would take? Take to make? No, just to like come to me in general. Oh well, because of the pandemic, the USPS mail has been slower than normal, uh, mm -hmm. but it could take anywhere from two to three weeks. Perfect. Oh, by Christmas. After the show. <laughs> by, by Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. I mean, I would be thankful for the giving. But... <laughs> or something Amazing. might come with it. <laughs> you never know. It's an additional something, you know. But what I hope out of this, because, you know, hope I hope that one day and sooner than later, we know what I personally want to do to the ones I'm wearing, because I have several of them, because I'm testing them always, is to uh, uh, kind of make it flat and just frame it and hang it and as a visual reminder that we got through this, but also we got through it through a connection to our own heritage. And even one does not have to be Arab. They can just be an appreciate, like somebody who appreciates beautiful cloth. Like why can't it be part of their personal experience? You know, Cultural appreciation. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> not appropriation, appreciation. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I like wearing Japanese streetwear. Now, because I'm appropriating, I'm appreciating. <laughs> yeah. well, you're it's, you know, it's it's not that you're creating a whole line of Japanese uh, 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 fabric, and that would be a whole different story. Yeah, I mean, if I went around wearing that, speaking Japanese, like, how you Like, no, that's oh that's where we can call it. But otherwise, yeah. just for fashion still... appreciation. Appreciation. Yeah, it'd be cool if you if you don't have any like uh, Halloween masks. For the, the Halloween Ooh. times, <laughs> I I have cool. that's a whole other like <laughs> whole other thing. Next 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 virus. Next yeah, yeah, virus. Next, <laughs> next, next virus. We'll definitely guys up Halloween with that. clothing that people can already access. I think there's. I'll leave that to the experts. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that is true. You do your own thing. Everyone does their own thing. That's true. Yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. Wait, if I order it now and it comes in two weeks, that's from like that's on my birthday, dude. I'm definitely doing that. That's my that's my birthday gift this year. Is a red kufiya over the year standard. When is your birthday? Thirtieth. Oh, so that's like in twenty days. Yeah. Oh wow. No Halloween. Yeah. Halloween, baby. Yeah. Awesome. That's why I'm evil. No, I'm Do you kidding. have any plans for your birthday? No, it's basically sit study because that's what my exams usually are. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm sad. I know. <laughs> October 30th. A few virtual birthday parties. Yeah. I mean, look, you know what? I, uh, here's what's probably everybody. Everybody comment happy birthday, October 30th. Yeah. Here's what's going to happen. I'm probably going to lock all my doors because if my friends get in, they're going to like smush my face with cake, which is like a birthday tradition they have. They've been waiting for me because I've been doing it to all of them and like they're waiting for my day to get their vengeance. So. I'm basically going to be like in a bunker, not even quarantined. Just <laughs> yeah. Right. So basically, right. anyways, we have reached our timestamp, by before, the way. And like, that's true. Um, I, before we wrap up, if you have a minute, I just want to ask one, one thing from you. Yeah. Um, so it takes, I mean, there are a lot of fashion designers out there, but you were able to, to sell your fashion to a lot of great people. I know you said it takes a lot of hard work design effort but it also takes a lot of like confidence right, right. um how <laughs> um how like what does it take to sell like um 
like a piece to like a uh, celebrity or the queen, right? Um, what does it take in here to do it? Uh, I mean, you have to internally believe in limitless possibilities for one, you know, because if your inner dialogue is I can't and I can't, then you won't. But if your inner dialogue is I can and I will, it starts there. Like that's the seed where the roots begin to grow, where the branches are extended and where things start to materialize. It's about that. what the question <laughs> is, what is your inner dialogue with yourself first? That's the first question. Secondly, is what are the actions and decisions you are taking as a response to that? Whether the dialogue is for your advantage or against you, it's either or generally speaking, how humans are programmed and conditioned. And, and to some people, they're not even in touch with that. They don't even know that that's happening, but that is happening inside every human's head. Uh, and I think that it starts there as an artist and not to like, not to say that self-doubt doesn't exist. It exists, of course, it's part of the human experience, but how much is one willing to listen to it and believe it? And what's their reaction to that? So I think for me as a kid, it started there, especially growing up in a reality where there were many, 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 many limitations. You know, there were limitations due to the occupation, due to checkpoints, due to curfews, due to a lot of daily disruptions of Palestinian daily life. So I think that was sort of like the against the grain belief that, you know, thought that this is, this is mine. Nobody can have this. Nobody can put a checkpoint around this or control this or, you know, I'm going to create this. And I think the idea, but also it was a form of coping for me as a kid, you know, during the Intifada and during all these difficult realities that I don't think anyone can relate to unless you have lived that life, you know, yeah. you can have an idea. But I think for me, that's what it took. It started from a place of a negative place that was a negative experience and a dull reality and, and then I positive. Think, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so you can draw from that and then you can transform that. So I think creativity is not just about for me as a designer. I don't look at it as a, you know, here's a fabric, I'm gonna cut and make something. It can I can create an experience, I can create whatever I put my mind to, I just have to commit to it and make the right decisions and take the right steps. I think that's the best way I can answer this, really. And it's yeah. the best answer we've received. <laughs> it's amazing. I love it. Honestly, the whole the idea the idea of like placing that seed of yes I can and watching yep. that plant grow like that's that's amazing. Mm. Uh, I'm taking that. <laughs> Anyways, we have your time. here. Is there anything uh, else you'd like to shout out? Let the world know. Mm. Uh, just read about what i'm doing and read about the inspiration don't just look at the products and the designs on my website try to read about my inspiration it's not very long and i think it can be very insightful so uh yeah and thank you for having me on your show awesome yeah thank you for coming on thank you yeah. check out link in bio check out hey to the show <laughs> please like reached... please subscribe if you reach this part of the video yeah please <laughs> you might as well and... come yeah. on and yeah this yeah, is a very important topic. So yes, do pay attention, do subscribe. Yes. So yeah. This is, this is how we sign out. Salute to cover the camp and please have a really enjoying life, enjoying yourself, enjoying the fact that hey, you know what? I'm my mind and my body are actually in this one place, so it's actually um, making me grow as a person, uh, become a little bit more confident in myself. The people that were holding me down people that you are trying to help um, kind of get out of their own phone, they tend to separate themselves from you. So I've seen many relationships go up and down. Some for good, some for bad. You know, uh, in, the, in, in, in that world where, hey, you know what? When I first started, I was kind of meek. I, I didn't know how to use my voice. But by the time I got my black belt, I 